This episode of the Movie Musical Shakedown is brought to you by Shutterstock. Shutterstock is a leading global technology company offering a creative platform for high-quality assets, tools, and services. This company licenses images, video, music, and editorial assets, as well as custom content tailored to a brand's needs. Learn more today at Shutterstock.com. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention please? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight. got talent. Let's see what we can do with it. You're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. Tommy, can you hear me? Singing in the rain. Just singing in the rain. What a glorious feeling. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Movie Musical Shakedown. I am your host, Mr. Chris Peterson, founder, editor, and chief of Onstage Blog. So thrilled you're joining us this week for what I consider is the greatest movie musical of all time. I've been putting this off and putting this off, and I said, you know what? It's about time. Might as well, you know, open the can, tear off the Band-Aid, whatever you want to call it. Let's get into Singing in the Rain, the 1952 Gene Kelly iconic classic. And like I said before, I find this to be the greatest movie musical of all time. When you think about your elements of what you want in a movie musical, the singing, the dancing, the acting, the design, everything is firing on all cylinders in this movie. And if if you someone was looking for what is the quintessential movie musical, it's Singing in the Rain. Way ahead of its time in terms of its writing, its humor, its production value. It's just so many things left and right. And it is a incredibly... rewatchable movie musical. I have seen this film at least 25, 30 times. I never get sick of it. If someone says, hey, let's watch Singing in the Rain, I'm I'm with you. Let's go. And I find myself laughing out loud, actually crying laughing at some of these scenes. Absolutely incredible. The cast, iconic. Gene Kelly at his absolute peak a year after An American in Paris. So think about that one-two punch. Donald O'Connor, the incredible Donald O'Connor in this as well, in his most, I would say this is his most iconic role of all time. And Debbie Reynolds, a young, fresh rookie in this film. Hardly, you know, she had done a couple of TV appearances, small bit parts. This was her first big role and really launched her career after that. And still, to this day, I mean, as as iconic of a name as, as Debbie Reynolds was, I mean, you could legitimately say this is her biggest role. Gene Hagen, who actually got an Oscar nomination for this. Incredible actress, incredible performance as Lena Lamont. Sid Charisse in this as well. Millard Mitchell. Douglas Foley as Roscoe. And then if you if you squint hard enough and if you're looking hard enough, you can see Rita Moreno years before West Side Story. So again, 
incredible cast. Uh, the backstage stories about the production of this are legendary in terms of Gene Kelly's, you know, work ethic and rehearsal process, and and how him and Debbie Reynolds, uh, you know, did not get along in terms of the way that he treated her, and then years later came out and he basically apologized for that and said, look, I was, I was in the wrong. Him and Donald O'Connor didn't like each other either, yet you would never know that from watching this film. And um, again, just absolutely incredible. And again, another you know, notch on the, the, the incredible belt of Stanley Donnan, who we've talked about it before in this podcast. You know, if we're making a movie musical director, Mount Rushmore, he is the first face that you will see up there based on his resume. And uh, sadly, we lost him earlier this year, but incredible, incredible resume, incredible legacy. And this is, this is, this is number one there. So we're going to take a quick break. When I come back, we're going to be joined by my wife, Nicole, who is a huge fan of this movie and, and break it all down. But first, of course, as always, here's the trailer. Joined by my incredibly patient and <laughs> loving co-host, uh-huh. my wife Nicole Peterson. How are you doing this week? 
I am Dandy. It's been a while since we had you on this podcast. <laughs> You've been away for three and a half weeks. <laughs> I, I have been. I've been traveling a lot. I have been. And uh, that's my fault. That's my fault. But, you know, someone's got to pay the bills. And, uh, well, you, 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 you almost wake more than I do. So, hmm. anyway, um, yeah, I travel a lot for work, folks. But Nicole is back this week. Uh-huh. It's, been, it's been a little while. Last time we had you on for Damn Yankees, wasn't it? I think that was the last latest. I think so. <clears throat> Excellent. And now we're here talking about, is this your favorite movie musical slash movie of all time? It is tied with Newsies. So Singing in the Rain and so Newsies. So 1A, 1B, so to speak. Yes. Okay. For different reasons. But yes, this is a co-number one. Kona. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> I dig that. I dig that. Um, let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, in my opinion, the greatest movie musical of all time. I absolutely agree. I don't think it's head and shoulders above, you know, the West Side stories and the sound of musics of the world, but I do think there are elements in this movie that definitely make it the best of all time. Mm-hmm. What do you think on that? I think, and now this might get some, uh, negative rumbles, but this is the movie that I measure every other musical that I've ever seen up against. And that's why the newer movie musicals, the La La Lands, the greatest showman never quite seemed to measure up for me because the amount of joy that I get from watching this movie and the feeling that I had when I saw this for the first time, I've never had that feeling again. So I'm waiting for a show or a movie to make me feel that. It hasn't happened yet. Wow. Okay. So it's a high bar then. I mean, this movie, no matter what, makes me feel joy. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, watching you watching this movie, like literally you had like a smile on your face, like look of like contentness, I guess you Mm -hmm. could say. Um, watching it. So I, well, I mean, you. like just so we watched this movie with our son today and he was giggling and laughing and finding enjoyment in it. And not only that, when we paused it, he got up and he had to dance like that says something. And now our son does love to boogie, but he is also a dinosaur Pokemon loving crazy ninja child and this is true. he had to go put on his tap shoes and dance tonight after seeing this so there's something about singing in the rain that i feel just talk straight to people's center of happiness and i yeah. feel like that doesn't happen anymore with no, movies. It's, it's rare it's rare mm-hmm. this movie has a killer cast i mean just an absolute murderer's row of talent left mm-hmm. and right from top to bottom I mean, I think you're getting Gene Kelly at the absolute peak of his career. He's mm-hmm. a year after An American in Paris, mm-hmm. you know, after On the Town and uh, Anchors Away. Mm-hmm. And um, this is really the, his his peak. And my question for you is, this is no doubt his most iconic role right. of all time. But is it his best performance in all of his movies he's ever given? In your opinion, as someone who's seen... All of, all, all of them. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll just give you my before you while you're thinking about it. Uh-huh. I'll, I'll say no. I don't think it's his best performance. I think his best performance is an American in Paris. Mm-hmm. 
But what do you think about this? I think his best emotional performance is in American in Paris. Um, and I do think choreographically, they're just different animals. But I think the way that he was able to include movement in everything mm-hmm. in this film and that movement dictated so much more about the characters than it did in any of his other films. Cause before it was just him dancing and being a dancer and having dance moments. But here, every single character has a movement quality about them that says something about what they do. And I think that plays into it. So no, the acting isn't the same level as some of his other stuff, but I feel like he was able to make every character in this movie dance. And that says something. That's true. That's true. Whether they wanted to dance or not, he didn't <laughs> dance, basically. <laughs> well, even like when you look at the director, when he's having his meltdown that I love so much, it's his whole body. It's not just him saying the lines. He is having a physical... <laughs> Like, that is true. Yeah, every character in this movie dances. That is true. That is true. Um, also starring Donald O'Connor, the great uh, Donald O'Connor. Yeah. I think also probably his most iconic role yeah. ever. I mean, that make him laugh sequence is... It's his best, I, I think. It's I iconic. Yeah. It really is. It's, it's one of those, like, you, anytime you think of Donald O'Connor, you think of that sequence. And to know that that, that number almost killed him... Uh, Actually, like mm-hmm. it's pretty interesting watching it now. I mean, for those of you who don't know, I mean, he smoked four packs a day, mm-hmm. and at the time when they filmed this, so you know that that flip that he does off the wall, that's, I mean, that's him actually doing it. First of all, right. Uh, secondly, he hadn't done it for like fifteen years, and mm-hmm. people just remembered that he did it on the vaudeville circuit, right. And um, after after filming this, <laughs> this is the best story ever. So. They basically, basically like, you know, took, they, they filmed it once. It just took the the wind out of them. And he's like, oh my God, mm-hmm. I can never do that again. Apparently they, they stored the film incorrectly after they filmed it. And when they went back to edit it, it was all foggy. <laughs> so literally the next day, Donald O'Connor arrives on set and he gets a standing ovation from the crew. And Gene Kelly comes up to him and is clapping and he's giving a standing ovation. Donald O'Connor is like, oh my God, that's fantastic i don't think i could ever you know do that again and yeah gene kelly was like well we bad, news. bad news we're gonna do it tomorrow <laughs> so interesting enough that they did it the second time tomorrow and that's what put him in the hospital for three days mm-hmm. afterwards because he had he was just out of breath yeah um and he had rug burns from the um yeah running and and people forget that those movies that he's doing he's not landing on a springed no he's doing this on, on concrete so i mean He's I, a vaudeville dancer, I, and it shows. Exactly, it's just his dedication is. For anybody incredible. who ever tells me that dance is not a sport or athletic, watch in any way, Donald O'Connor run up a wall. Right, or, or <laughs> you know what? For those of you who don't think that, just try to reenact that number, right, and see how you feel afterwards. That's all I got to say. So, um, also, nineteen-year-old Debbie Reynolds in yep. this movie, making one of her first film appearances. Um, Backstage stories, this did not was not a pleasant filming experience for her. Uh, she was you know, obviously kind of new, and Gene Kelly was known for being a perfectionist and was described by many as a, somewhat of a tyrant on his sets. Um, and she was very, very intimidated by him. Uh, they did not – he didn't – you know, he would yell at her and things like that, and she would, you know, obviously – 
you know, cry and things like that as well. And one story uh, told by Debbie Reynolds was that <clears throat> after a difficult day of shooting, she was actually found crying under a piano in an accompanying studio by Fred Astaire. <laughs> and Fred Astaire, like she told Fred Astaire everything was going on. And Astaire was like, look, it's going to be worth it. Like, you know, you're going to be fine. And all this is, it will be worth it because you're going to put in an amazing performance. It's going to be a great film. And I guess, you know, he actually taught her how to do some of the sequences that you see in this film as well. So Fred Astaire kind of having a little, little bit of an imprint on this movie, so to speak. Meh. <laughs> you're not a Fred Astaire gal. I mean, he's fine. I like him. He's talented. He's done important things, but well, let me ask you I, I hate that there there's this Fred Astaire is better than Gene Kelly thing that always seems to come up, and it's I. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, yeah. And when I talk to people about like you know movie musical dancers, mm-hmm. and there are Fred Astaire people, and then there are Gene Kelly people, mm-hmm. and very rarely do they mix and someone who says I love them equally and things like that. It's not, it's rare. You know, a lot of people just kind of side or, you know, mm-hmm. fall to one area. Why, why Gene Kelly over Fred Astaire for you? Uh, for me, one, because Gene Kelly looks like a real person. He looks like when in anchors away in an American in Paris, he looks like he could have been a soldier. Mm-hmm. in World War II and stuck around Paris. You know, he he looks like he could have been those people. When he's in that sailor suit and on the town, it looks like he could do it. And I think he is absolutely gifted and super important to dance history and dance as a whole. Looks like he is a little bit untouchable. And looks like that unattainable dancer. Whereas Gene Kelly, I feel like when I show him to my son, it looks like something he could do. It looks like a real person moving. And also, I mean, I used to sit and watch this with my dad and my brothers, and they are kind of guys, guys, and they could sit and watch Gene Kelly. And it didn't be attainable because it looked like a guy that they could be. Right, and right. there's that's not saying that Gene Kelly isn't skilled. He is such a skilled dancer and an amazing choreographer, but he makes it look like anybody could do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a real gift to dance because you want people to feel like they have an entryway into it and that it's not unattainable. And it's not just for a man in a tuxedo who's wealthy, that it's for anyone who can throw on a pair of loafers and right. can start moving. And right. that's that's why for Gene Kelly. Yeah, it just it always felt like Gene Kelly was like the blue collar dancer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and and Fred Astaire was the top hat, the tuxedo and the cane type of dancer. And they're two different images. Even their body types are just so different. And right. there's nothing wrong with that, but I just feel like if you're trying to open a door to dance that Gene Kelly is opening a door and Fred Astaire is saying, watch me instead of saying, come dance with me. Okay. You know, that's a fair point. Um, Also in this movie, uh, Gene Hagen. I love her so much. Playing Lena Lamont, you know, and, and as funny and as ridiculous as that part is, she's such a scene stealer. I just (laughs) love her. She chews up every single 
bit of scenery mm-hmm. in this movie, and she was actually nominated for an Oscar for this role. Well, she deserves it because she's yeah. literally playing someone who is not herself. Only, I mean, the only acting Oscar nominee um, mm-hmm. for this movie. There was, it was only actually nominated twice, uh, one for for her and then one for sound design. And like no best picture, like none of that. It was but just, I think also they swept so much with an American in Paris. It was probably yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, also in this film, a very young Rita Moreno. I can't even talk. Rita Moreno, mm-hmm. pre West Side Story. Mm-hmm. Um, as Zelda. As Zelda. A little bit of Sid Charisse in this oh, film. Love her during yep. the ballet sequence, which was great to see her, and playing RF <laughs> Millard Mitchell. Who sadly mm-hmm. died two years after this movie? Ugh. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a kind of a big, like Western mm-hmm. actor um, in the 1930s and 40s, and arguably, I mean, this is, this is obviously his biggest role, um, you know, most iconic role is RF. But yeah, sad, sadly, he, he died at the age of 50 in 1953. Wait, um, shortly after. So he was only 50. He was only 50. He did not look like he was only 50. That's what, uh, that's what 1950s living will, <laughs> will do to you. Uh, oh, my goodness. Yeah, definitely. Directed by the great Stanley Donnan, who we've talked about a number of times uh, on this podcast, who, who we sadly lost. I think it was actually in February. Yeah, it was, it was uh, yeah, February 21st. But Stanley Donnan, you know, he directed some of the great movie musicals of all time. I would say that he really kind of broke the mold. I mean, he, you know, he had On the Town – Royal Wedding, which mm-hmm. is the iconic Fred Astaire picture that we just did a couple of podcasts ago. This one, Seven Brides or Seven Brothers, Funny Face, mm-hmm. The Pajama Game, Damn Yankees. I mean, Charade. The mm-hmm. list goes on and on. Um, I just think he had such a gift for putting humor into movie musicals yeah. and where they could be very flat or they could be very presentational. There was a real just such especially this movie such sarcasm and such wit that gets snuck in there yeah yeah no he um he's definitely i think he's right up there with the michael kids of the world in terms of the great you know um movie musical directors robert Mm -hmm. wise i think is up there as well so you know i think i think we got to put marshall rob marshall thank you he might be up there now too Mm -hmm. um so it's it's a it's a it's a good club to be in, but yeah, no, Stanley Don was just so revolutionary. And if you're anybody who saw his Oscar acceptance speech from about ten years ago when he got the Lifetime Achievement Oscar, he actually dances on uh, uh, the thing. He actually does a little tap dance, which mm-hmm. you know people probably didn't know he was a dancer either. So coolness on that. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of songs written by the great songwriting team, Comden and Green, mm-hmm. uh, who directed who directed who composed a lot of the best. Broadway stage scores like Wonderful Town, you know, uh, Do Re Mi, Bells Are Ringing, just to name a few. But they are uh, an iconic, iconic writing team. And certainly the songs in this film are. Well, I think all of them, with the exception of Sing the Rain, are newer to the, because Sing the Rain came out in the 30s and they just picked it because right. it was already a popular song. Um, if you saw the original Singing of the Rain, though, they're all. <laughs> It's like what hundreds of people standing on a boat on the exactly. MGM soundstage getting pelted with water. <laughs> exactly. But I think I think the big thing for me with this movie is it it was so ahead of its time mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. I mean, the filmmaking, the actual 
way that they filmed this this movie is is incredible. And the color and the sets, it is just yeah, the designs off the charts, and then also the comedy, the writing. Yes. in this movie, she's is, so refined. I could kill myself. Yeah, I mean, it's like <laughs> it, the movie. There are scenes in this movie that you could put them in 2019, and they're just as hilarious. I like, can't get him out of my mind. <laughs> like, <laughs> Like that dueling cavalier sequence where they're filming it with the microphone. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> no, see, no, no. And you see the final <laughs> part of the theater. It is so freaking funny. Like, I just watching it tonight, I'm laughing my ass off. Mm-hmm. And especially at the end when they're like slowing down the speech. And yeah. Like, that, like that's so ahead of its time that it's like, I, I don't know. Like, it just, it just, to me, it was like, my God, that's still funny today. It's not dated yes. in any way, shape, or form. So, Moving on. Oh, before we move on, any other yeah. general thoughts before we move on about this film? Well, I took four pages of notes because oh, I've, <laughs> well, I've never actually stopped to like think about this in detail because, and I've seen it. All right. Let's see. The first time I saw it, I was probably like 10. And so it's been at least almost, it's been like what, almost 25 years that mm-hmm. I've watched this several times a year. So. Oh my God. Yeah. So. Well, I, oh, just a cool something that I noticed that all of the songs and all of the dances, they come from a real reason to sing and dance. And that's part of why I enjoy this so much for make him laugh. He's trying to cheer up his friend. And what do you do when you're trying to make someone laugh and you feel good? You might do a goofy dance, right? Like I know when I need to cheer someone up, I'll put myself out there and do something silly and stupid, right? And same with good morning. We've all been there with friends after a show feeling strange or, you know, sad. You get together and you make the situation better. And same with just singing in the rain. You're so overcome with joy and love. You have to dance. And I feel like all of the songs, they don't just plop out of thin air. There isn't just an orchestra that starts up, you know, it's all, it seems so innate and so natural when they start moving and singing. And it's just something that makes it, it all, it feels good to watch because it feels natural. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Moving on to our first category, folks, we know that when we're watching these movie musicals, sometimes there are moments that, you know, give us the goosebumps. Sometimes it, you know, gets a little emotional in the room. So I call these dusty room moments. The room just gets a tad bit dusty and his eyes begin to water. So, Nicole, let me start with you. Do you have any dusty room moments in Singing in the Rain? Not, I, I didn't until today. Whoa. What was, um, what, well, first of all, what was it and why? It was watching my son's face watch Donald O'Connor. Because he was so filled with joy and he was, I stopped looking at me like that, (laughs) but something that has made so many people feel wonderful for so long is now inspiring him. And he's such a little guy. And for him to get that, that same feeling out of it, that this movie has brought to me for so long, it's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Now you're getting emotional. Thank you. Um, for me, I, I don't really have any dusty room moments in, in this, but there is something about hearing those first couple chords of singing in the rain. Yeah. And <sighs> especially in the, in, from the film, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, 
it's that hearing the rain in the background, you hear the, the, the you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just something that, that you, whenever you're watching iconic films. There's a comfort to it. Right. And it's just. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel the same way about, you know, watch, when I'm watching Gone with the Wind or, or The Godfather, when those famous moments come up, you feel them. They're palpable. Uh, and and that's I think, one of them. Yeah. Some pieces of music and some bits of film are so ingrained in us culturally that I feel like even if you didn't love this movie, hearing Gene Kelly go, dum, da, dum, like it just, it starts something inside of you. It's part of our culture. You know, it's interesting. And you know, that number, you know, let's just talk about that number real quick. I mean, I got like a whole page. (laughs) I, I would, I would defy anyone to say that there is not one more iconic dance number in any movie mm-hmm. musical of all time. Number one, number two, I want to, I want to settle some myths right now because there's a lot of myths about, I have some things to sequence. say too. Um, the first of all, there's one myth that this uh, sequence was filmed on one take. That's not true. No, uh, it was actually filmed over two to three days. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another myth is that the rain was mixed with milk in order to, for the, the raindrops to show better up on camera. That's also not true. Mm-hmm. They actually achieved the effect that they wanted through backlighting and just torrential downpour. Rain. Yeah, constant, <laughs> constant rain. <laughs> what is not a myth, however, is that at the time when they filmed this, Gene Kelly was actually sick with a 103 degree fever. So he's actually doing much of that sequence, especially apparently the end, mm-hmm. um, with a 103 degree fever. Folks, I have had a 103 degree <laughs> fever. I can't move from my bed to the bathroom, let alone <laughs> dance and do what Gene Kelly did on screen. So mm-hmm. anyone out there listening to this who is, who is currently sick with a, with a temperature? Why aren't you tap dancing why, right I mean, now? <laughs> could you try? I mean, for anybody, it, Just go stand outside with an umbrella for a little while. <laughs> I want you all to ingrain this in your head. Like, if, if you're going to be sick in the next couple of weeks, just remember this podcast. Just try to do a dance routine when you're, with a fever. And just remember, put a pillow down in case you fall. <laughs> right, exactly. Remember that he did this with a 103-degree fever. Ridiculous. Well, and I was thinking, so two things. One, I love the way this song finds its natural end. He doesn't stop singing on this big crescendo. He stops singing because he gets caught in this intimate, private moment. He gets caught by that police officer and he has to stop. Which I have a question about later on, but we'll, we'll get to that. But I just, I think that's a unique and appropriate way to stop. Because if you were, all right, as someone who has been so happy about something in life that I was dancing in a grocery store and got asked to stop once. Um, <laughs> Wait, you, you're just going to stop there? You're not going to tell us what you were happy about? You can't just, you can't just say that and then not continue. Uh but it's really nerdy. It's Say really, it anyway, please. I had just gotten my first tickets to rent. <laughs> that's well, for this audience, that's perfect. <laughs> and I was in high school. <laughs> if this was any other podcast, okay. for, for any other blog, I'd probably say, yeah, it's a little nerdy. But for this, for this audience, I think many of them would dance in the supermarket if they got tickets to rent. When I was in high school, I was super excited. And I started dancing. And then the dirty looks of the other patrons made me stop and say, hey, Nicole, maybe you shouldn't be tap dancing in the supermarket. But like the fact that, again, he was caught in this joyful and intimate moment. And then 
he had to stop because of the circumstances around him, not because the music just said stop. Right. I think that's really special. It is. You're um, absolutely right. Can I make one more little note? Please. This movie is why I can't watch A Clockwork Orange. Oh, yeah. Because I enjoyed A Clockwork Orange, but I don't want it taking my happiness away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't. And folks – we won't but get that's, into the details, but no, but part of the reason why that's such an intense moment is because, like we talked about before, this song is so culturally important. Right. That's why it it's so disturbing and mm. so upsetting. But after I watched it once, I was like, that was a great movie. I can never watch it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Folks, we know that sometimes with these movies, especially when they're made decades and decades ago, some things probably have not aged as well as others. And sometimes things that were acceptable in you know the 1940s and 50s, uh, probably not acceptable today. So mm-hmm. I call these yeesh moments where whether it's within the show or just the fact of making it when the time that they did tend to make us go, ugh, eh, pull the collar a little bit in 2019. So, Nicole, yeah, any yeesh moments for you in Singing in the Rain? Honestly, just two. Okay. Um. As far as its treatment of women and of kind of uh, sexism and all of that, I actually felt like this was pretty up to date. And I feel like I didn't hear a lot of, this is no how to succeed in business. I feel like they treated the women pretty well. And the fact that Debbie Reynolds played as an equal amongst the three of them throughout most of the movie was awesome. However, there were two mammy jokes, which I feel like no go. Mm -hmm. And um, there's that scene when, and it's a scene that for the most part, I really, for the most part, I enjoy the scene and they're panning through all of these different movies that they're all filming at the same time because they're all silent films. But uh, one of them is a bunch of people in, I think, what's supposed to be indigenous or native costumes. and cannibal sequence. Yeah. And it just, it doesn't play well anymore. And, but I mean, that's it. I thought for the most part, this survived pretty well compared to other (laughs) movies we've watched. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, there's only like two in there. I guess you could call them minor in a lot of ways. Like at the end when... Lena Lamont's like doing her threatening, like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Um, like Don Lockwood like grabs her by the arms and like right. tightly shakes her. And I'm like, Ugh, like right. I can't put your hands on a woman when you get up, when you get upset with her, like that can't happen. And then number two, I don't know. Like, I mean, this was a common occurrence in movies of that era, but you know, Gene Kelly was 40 when they made this thing. And no, like, I know. Love interest yeah. is 19. So like, that's a little, not, I wouldn't say like, you know, but they're still doing that now. Look at any James Bond movie. Well, yeah, yeah. But I'm just well the the age it's the same age difference, but just older ages. Though, like you know, fifty and thirty. But like you know, this is forty and nineteen, which is a little you know. Ugh. But anyway, <laughs> those are just my two huge mm-hmm. moments. Um, and that's really just more of the studio system back then than you know anything right. else. So. All right, folks, we know that with these movies, sometimes that not all of our mysteries are solved and not all our questions are answered. So I call these lingering questions, basically anything that the still had, you know, wondered or had questions on um, after watching this movie. So, Nicole, Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with you. Any lingering questions? Just two. Okay. Uh, One, why so many montages? There were a lot. 
Yeah. I feel like they did help. A lot of flashbacks, a lot of uh, once the talkies come into play. and Yeah. And honestly, I really don't mind them. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious as to why they felt that was the way to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're fun. They can stay. Um, and also why poor Donald O'Connor had to get the poop brown raincoat when everyone else got bright, pretty yellow raincoats. <laughs> oh, during uh, Good Morning? Well, all yeah, every time they are wearing raincoats is it's true. sad and ugly. It does get the poop, poop brown. Sorry, Donald. <laughs> uh, I had a couple uh, lingering questions. First mm-hmm. of all, did the talk did the the invention of the talkies, if you will, the invention of, of sound in movies really spread panic through the Hollywood studio system as it's portrayed here? I mean, that's what that's something that I'm like, you know, you you think that executives at the time would be excited about because it's like, oh my god, like it's gonna be great. But a lot of people are like, oh my god, like this is gonna be terrible. And I think in the when they reveal that sequence, which by the way is unintentional comedy gold. So by the way. funny. <laughs> what you're listening to is a talking, talking picture. picture. <laughs> um, I love the reaction of one of the women who's like, it's vul- it. who's, yes. what's her name? It's vulgar. I don't remember her name. I just I call her Maleficent, but that's in one of my notes because yeah, that's all she says. Because it's vulgar. <laughs> it's like, I just it's something that I was just like the reaction to that I, I would always assume was like, Oh my god, this is great mm-hmm. and it just is portrayed here as being like, Oh my god, this is gonna be terrible. But mm-hmm. and, interesting enough. Um interesting director's note during all I do is you know, all I do mm-hmm. um is having like everybody throw streamers at the dancers. Like mm-hmm. towards the end of the number, like they're covered in streamers mm-hmm. and Debbie Reynolds, if you watch the number has like three streamers across her eyes while right. she's trying to do this number. I'm like, at some point I'm like, is that really the wisest, um, oh, no. you know, director's note. But that was just, that was one thing I was kind of was like, the um, beautiful girls is unintentional the, comedy gold. It's one of the best things about this movie. It's my favorite poem. Um, <laughs> anyone for tennis? Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, <you> wasn't <laughs> You must wear fur. Diet. Diet. Oh, God. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, what is organdy, by the way? It's a fabric. It's a fa- okay. It's not a color? No. Okay. Uh, it is a very specific type of cotton or silk, and I think it comes out as a type of color, but mm. it's a fabric. Okay. Right. We, we talked about this earlier with Singing in the Rain and, and it ending with the cop. Yeah. Why does the cop care if the guy's dancing in the street? Public disturbance. Is it? <laughs> He's splashing like crazy. He's splashing. <laughs> got, a, got an APB he's, out for a guy. He's a funny splashing. looking man splashing. <laughs> just, it just was one of those things where I'm watching it and I'm like, okay, like he's dancing in the street. Like, who cares? Like, it's like, it, it makes it look like he's vandalizing something, like the way he reacts. And I'm just like, it's just a guy dancing in the street. Who cares? Um, and actually the nice thing is like Gene Kelly gives a guy his umbrella as he's walking away. Yeah. He's like, Hey, I don't even need this. Wait, last question. Uh huh. At the end yeah. when they're singing, you're my lucky star. Yeah. How does the entire orchestra know it? Like Donald O'Connor hops into the orchestra and then just starts conducting away and they all know you're my lucky star perfectly. 
Is it mm. isn't it was it an anthem of the day? Like they're playing like the national anthem, or there's like. Well, honestly, I was that a pop song like "Singing in the Rain" was? No, oh, I don't know. I didn't do that research. Okay, well, that might be okay. a reason, uh, but also if that's not the reason, then hey, movie magic, movie magic. And I feel like this movie has so few of those moments. Where like, which is why that stuck out to me. Right, I was like, oh, how does the entire organ? I mean, it would be different if you just went down there and started playing the piano, right? And then they showed like the orchestra, like catching catching on and playing with it, right? Um, or like in not not to go too far out of the box, but with Back to the Future, when (laughs) Marty grabs the guitar and he tells the band, "Okay, we're going to play this on this flat." Follow me for the changes. Right. Like that would be something that Donald O'Connor could have done. And I don't know. It just was like, he just hops in the thing, grabs the conductor's thing and starts mm-hmm. conducting that song, which I thought was just so out of left field. But anyway, anyway. All right, folks, we know that when they're developing these movie musicals, not every cast member that we think is going to get into this uh, movie ends up getting in the movie. Sometimes people audition, first choices and first uh, considerations are not, you know, the final product that we see. So I always like to kind of throw some curveballs at my guest hosts here and telling them some of the folks that were up for these roles and almost given these roles. And in some cases actually given the roles um, and to ask, would this movie have been better with this person in that role instead of what we got? So Nicole, I've got Mm -hmm. three for you today. Okay. Two, I think are obvious no's, but one might be a yes, actually. Okay, so one of the people considered for the role of Kathy instead of Debbie Reynolds was Judy Garland. Mm-hmm. Would this movie have been better? 1953, by the way. So this is, you know, decade, almost a decade since uh, Wizard of Oz. Would this movie have been better with Judy Garland as Kathy? I don't think so. Okay. I just, I think... Part of the reason why Debbie Reynolds works as Kathy is she has what Judy Garland had in Wizard of Oz, that wide-eyed, you know, sweetness to her. And Judy Garland in the 50s is not Judy Garland in the 40s. She is a different person. She is an adult woman. And there's just, I don't know, I think some of that little bit of... uh, is the sweetness, uh, and even in her voice, the sweetness in her voice isn't quite the same. It's so, yeah. Okay. So I don't know if you knew this, but the original plot of Singing in the Rain, or when they were trying to put together this movie, was actually about a actor who starred in Western films who was trying to make a comeback as a singing cowboy. So that was like the original plot. Mm-hmm. And the plan was to have an actor by the name of Howard Keel play the role of Don. That's already a no. I was going to say. <laughs> first of all, would this movie have been better if it was about a Western star no. trying to become a singer cowboy? No? No. Okay. And and Howard Keel, forget about it. No. Okay. Do you even know who Howard Keel is? I don't. But the reason I can say no is because of... And I don't know where the concept came from, but a motif they repeat over and over is the idea that you start low and you end high. And they do it in the very beginning with 
Don Lockwood's story of, you know, a lowly musician to a stuntman to an actor, but they repeat that at the end in the Broadway melody. And so I feel like that is such a part of who that character is to take that away. It's just not. Well, if you, just to, in case you didn't want to know who Howard Keel was, he was the original lead in Kiss Me Kate, the movie. He plays oh. the guy who plays Petruchio. That's, that's Howard Keel. Okay. So, yeah, and it's still, dumb. It's still uh, Gene Kelly. Sorry. Yeah. I, I think everybody <laughs> would agree that that was a better choice. All right. Final, final one. Uh, the first choice for the ballet partner. Mm-hmm. Instead of Sid Charisse was Leslie Caron. Oh, so would this movie have been better with Leslie Caron instead mm-hmm. of Sid Charisse? I and are you proud of me for pronouncing Leslie Caron's name correctly? <laughs> instead of making it super Leslie, fancy like you always Leslie do, Leslie Caron. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, no, I think it needed to be Sid Charisse. Okay, uh, Leslie Caron is a beautiful dancer. But she is very European. She is very ballet. And she has that 50s jazz sensibility. But she's also so tied into her character in American in Paris. Like, well, I think that's why she wasn't in it. Because she had just done American And also, Paris, I mean, yeah. Sid Charisse, I think, owns that part and being tied to a gangster and all of that, she has some ownership in that. Right. She is, she, again, the idea of she is a grown woman. And when you watch her dance there, it doesn't make you feel icky because the things she's doing are seductive because she's taking ownership of that movement. I don't know if I'd have that same comfort in watching Leslie Caron do it. Hmm. I that uh, the role I think needs to be done by someone who has a real facility for that jazz movement, and that's okay. Cedric. There you go. All right, folks. We know that with these movie musicals, especially one like Singing in the Rain, four categories need to be really just firing on all cylinders, and that of course is the singing, the dancing, the acting, and the design. So what we like to do in this show is. Rate them one through 10. You have a question. I have a question. <laughs> I just realized folks, we're on a podcast folks, and I raised folks, my hand. <laughs> we're on a podcast and Nicole just raised your hand to ask a question. Let's just make that clear. Um, so podcasters, forgive me, podcast listeners. Firing on all cylinders is a car reference, right? Yes. Okay. Thank you. All right. I do. <laughs> so glad you asked a question for that. So Nicole. Yes. How would you rate the singing one through 10 for singing in the rain? Um, this is a tough one because some of the most beautiful singing, I don't know who does it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, so just because there is a question mark, I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Okay. All right. Well, I think I, all the singing <clears throat> is done very well. I, yes. I gave it an eight. <laughs> um, I think of all Gene Kelly's talents his singing was probably the worst of the three. Yeah, but it's still not bad. Not bad. I mean, you could carry a tune. Um, Donald O'Connor, much better singer, but doesn't really display his voice. No, he doesn't get a chance yeah, to show really, it off. Really, just kind of a comic, you know, character mm-hmm. actor. Um, <clears throat> Definitely. I mean, Debbie Reynolds gets to, to showcase a little bit of mm-hmm. her actual voice, and then for the more ballads, um, a woman by the name of Betty Knowles actually sang for her. So 
that's probably the voice that's really yeah. very nice. Probably brings up the whole average. Mm-hmm. Um, Gene Hagen as Lena does not brings down the average. But Gene Hagen's <laughs> actual voice is beautiful. beautiful. So she beautiful. gets a bonus point. If anybody saw, I think it's the Danny Thomas show. She plays the mm-hmm. wife on the Danny Thomas show. And um, yeah, fantastic actress. Anyway. Um, yeah. So I gave it an eight as well. How about the dancing, Nicole? Let's Ten. let's. Let's really grade this for a second. Ten. The dancing and singing the rain. Was ten. it really a 10? <laughs> it's a 10. See, I gave it a 2. Because <laughs> I feel that Gene Kelly well, needs to be graded I saved curve. you some boxes to put your things in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I think, folks, I mean, let me ask you this, Nicole. I'm yeah. going to put you on the spot. Mount Rushmore, right? Think of Mount Rushmore. There's yeah. four, four heads up there. What are the four – what is your Mount Rushmore of movie musicals for dance, I I'm gonna put you on the um, spot for a second. So would this be so one of Gene them? Gene Kelly, yeah. no, no, not, oh, not people oh, like movies, movies, like actual movies. Yeah, Singing in the Rain. Okay, um, all that jazz. All right. Ooh, ooh, I don't want to do another Gene Kelly one, but my heart is telling me American in Paris. Okay, would you put uh, West Side Story up there? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what about Chicago? No, no, Chicago won't be up there. No, I, if you're talking about movie musicals, then mm-hmm. all that jazz precedes Chicago. Okay. Um, so West Side Story. Yeah. American Paris. The Sing the Rain. Sing the Rain. All that jazz. All that jazz. <gasps> this is so hard. Isn't it? Oklahoma. Oh, little Michael Kidd in there. Okay. Agnes DeMille. Oh, Agnes DeMille. Wait, no, Michael Kidd did all the other stuff. Agnes DeMille just did the ballet number, right? But that's worth it. That okay. is... It's modern dance put into a 1950s musical. Like, by the way, holy isn't cow! It, isn't it cute that your husband knew that? We just had the little exchange. Like, wait, that was Michael Kidd. No, it was Agnes DeMille. I know my stuff. Anyway, <laughs> Agnes DeMille. Okay, I, Michael Kidd has other, you know, other things going for him. That's but true. I need. I want her name up okay. there. Hey, right. good picks. Good picks. All right, acting. One through ten. Uh, I would say an eight. I feel like it's all just pretty fine and well. And Gene Hagen puts it over the top because again, she's everyone else. I feel like is playing a version of themselves and mm-hmm. she creates a whole nother personality. That's true. Which is why she was nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I gave it a seven for kind of the same reasons. I also bumped it down a point uh, because in order to achieve tears at the end of the movie, Debbie Reynolds had to rub onions into her eyes. Not cut onions. She had to take the onion and put it in her eye to achieve <laughs> tears. That, folks, you're going to get docked a couple points for that. Just saying. That's like performance-enhancing drugs. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right, design. That's ridiculous. <laughs> i got to bring sports into this. Uh-huh. Nicole, how about the design? Ten. Really? Yeah. Okay. The costumes, I just, there's nothing about this movie that isn't fun. Mm-hmm. And that's like every single frame you're looking at has something visually stunning happening. It's true. That's true. You're absolutely right. The costumes, the look of the film. Also, the ballet number, like after he sees centuries in the, in the casino and everything kind of fades away in that yeah. studio. First of all, that set's beautiful and it's so simple. From a tech standpoint, with the fans and yeah. the wind, honestly, like watching that, I've seen that sequence probably 12 times now, and I still can't figure out how, where they positioned fans on that set mm-hmm. and how they actually achieved 
achieved what they did. I think it's just absolutely incredible on that end. So, well, even yeah. just, oh, I love feel of the set at the beginning of Broadway Melody, the pan out from that single spotlight on him. And it's just, again, it's color and energy. And like, so rarely do I feel like it's frenetic energy coming from the screen. And it's just, it's wonderful. Also, speaking of that number, I think this is one of the first movies I can remember that used kind of a green screen effect because during the um, talkies, Mm-hmm. scenario like that's all kind of imposed green well, they do that when they're driving too when driving mm-hmm. but also like at the end with that crane shot yep. coming out and gene kelly standing there yep. stationary like that's all kind of a green screen technique which again like i don't know how you achieved that in 1953 or 52 mm-hmm. but they did it and yep. uh impressive also one of the lyrics during that that montage of the talkies was mm-hmm. I think like I feel exactly how I feel or something like that. How I feel, how I feel exactly how, how I, I feel. feel exactly how I feel. It's again, amazing. All right, folks. It's the cat's meow. It's the cat's meow. <laughs> oh, I also gave it a 10 as well. By the way. Okay, good. There you go. Now we, let's move on to the numbers themselves. So we know that sometimes with these movie musicals, not every single number makes the final cut. That wasn't the case with Singing in the Rain. I mean, it wasn't based on a musical beforehand, so this was just kind of like everything's in there. But we also do one that's called Numbers That We Could Do Without. If you could cut one number from this movie, Nicole, what would it be? You were meant for me. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. I picked the same one. It's just kind of a boring number. Yep. Even even the dancing in it. It's not. There's not much dancing. It's them kind of just like moving. Right. Yeah. Okay. That was a really simple answer. Yeah. No debate for you. Okay. No, I feel like it, the song, there's another way that they could have achieved what they did. Okay. So. Nicole, you've got five minutes to watch Sing the <sighs> What are you going to fast forward to? I'm canceling all my plans and watching the whole movie. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you only got five minutes. So I told you the day. <laughs> Sorry, call it out of work. <laughs> right, let's just say it's something really important that you have to be at, but you only got five minutes to watch. So <sighs> what are you going to watch? I'm going to watch Fit as a Fiddle. Oh, wow. That I was not expecting that from you. I mean, the choreography in that is ridiculous. It has everything that I love about the movie in it. And okay. all I feel like it's the first bite you get into their physical comedy, their musicality, their performance ability, and their storytelling. It all mm-hmm. happens in that one little snippet of seeing Fit as a Fiddle develop in that montage. Okay. Um which is just, it's so much fun and it's a great dance number. Mm. And yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm going to go, I was going to say the bell, the Broadway ballet, but it's not five minutes longer than five minutes. Yeah. So I, I would actually say after like the dream ballet sequence and he's kind of walking out and that guy comes up and he's like, gotta, gotta dance. dance. And he starts doing the gotta dance, yeah. gotta dance. And then you see him do his iconic barrel rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, Where which, did you learn that word? I don't know. I picked it up from the crazy woman sitting on the, the couch going like next to <gasps> the barrel rolls. <laughs> which, by the way, he does again, folks. If you think that's easy, try it. Just try it. No, and even oh, his attitude you turns. Break your neck. He just does like it, just out of nowhere. This beautiful double attitude turn on a forced arch. Just it's 
oh God, he does it twice. And once he does it in singing in the rain, so he's wet and doing it. Mm -hmm. And the second time he does it is at the beginning of the Broadway melody. And it's just, oh my goodness. It's just magical. Yes, it is. (laughs) It is definitely magical. All right, folks, we like to give out some pretty prestigious awards during this podcast. By the way, and when I say prestigious, (laughs) now... Folks want to make fun of me for how much I like to think our blog, our statue has Wait, grown. folks or your wife? My what? Folks like, like my wife like to downplay how much impact and influence this blog has. But interestingly enough, when I was doing my research on this film tonight- Oh, jeez Louise. Just let me finish my story. <laughs> when I pulled up the IMDb page, uh, Forcing in the Rain, and scrolling down, I saw one of the facts- under did you know was that this movie was rated the number one movie musical of all time by onstage blog and so, then you showed it to me and i went oh huh so someone <laughs> felt that that ranking that little tidbit was worthy of being on this great movie's imdb page congratulations thank you having said that <laughs> these awards are now much more prestigious than originally thought I do love you. <laughs> so, the first award is called the Julie Award, which is given to who we feel is the best singer in the movie, named mm-hmm. after Julie Andrews. So, Nicole, I'm going to start with you. Who gets your yes. Julie Award? Betty Knowles. For, yeah, me too. <laughs> by default. Yes, she, really, by default. <laughs> she really is the only singer in the entire movie. <laughs> All right, how about your Russell Crowe Award, given to who we feel is the least great singer in this entire film? Gene Hagen. As Lena Lamont. As Lena Lamont, yes. Okay. You're going to hate me. No, I know what you're going to say, and I am going to hate you, and that means I get to pick what we watch after we film this I'm going to say Jim Kelly. I know. And it, again, Russell Crowe is not for the worst. Worst is, is mean. That's like saying hate. Worst is least, I mean, least worst or least great of all the, of all the people that sing in this movie. Gene Kelly gets my <laughs> Russell Crowe award. How about the Bumlet Award? For, now, have, folks, before we say who the Bumlet is, Bumlet is named after a character in Newsies, the movie. Uh, if you get a chance to watch that, just go to the King of New York number. He's the guy that's spinning on the fan at the end of that number. His name was Dominic Lucero, the actor who played the character Bumlet, who sadly passed away. So I wanted to name an award after a background supporting uh, extra in whatever these movie musicals are that just absolutely pull your attention and uh, you can't take your eyes off of them for the rest of the film. So... Nicole, who gets your bum little award? I have a three-way tie. What? Yes. All right, go ahead. Uh, Maleficent with its vulgar, it's, and also the tango that she does. She is doing a pretty, pretty like cool tango. whenever she's on the screen. I yes. have to look at her. Um, the director's meltdown, like he. So the director. The director. Okay. And uh, the uh, the vocal coach Tatito too. She is pretty great. I can't, I can't stand him. And I can't stand him. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, like those three characters, and I feel bad because in the parallel scene with Moses supposes their vocal coach is just a nice guy. Yeah. But he he's he doesn't steal the scene. Speaking of which, why do they just put stuff on top of him at the end of that tumbler? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's just a nice guy. If Tate Tito Two Lady was in there, they wouldn't have done that. By the way, um, the woman, the it's vulgar. Mm-hmm. Her character's name is Olga. Mm-hmm. And she's actually based on Gloria Swanson. 
Oh. So there you go. Um, which makes sense now. Mm-hmm. So your bum little word goes to Olga, uh, Roscoe, the director. Yes. And the vocal uh, coach. The vocal coach. There you go. Um, I'm going to give it to the guy who sings Beautiful Girl. <laughs> because he's just, Christopher knows that if I'm ever in a terrible mood, he just needs to sing. <laughs> He just needs to say lines from Beautiful Girls. <laughs> I mean, it is a <laughs> phenomenal um, song, mm-hmm. and his his um, what is hiding in those sleeves? Sleeves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know the actor's name, and I, and that dude is amazing. Yes. So he is going to get to get my bum little worth. Just for me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Nicole. Final question. I have a feeling I know the answer already, but I'm asking anyway. Does this get a remake? Should it get a remake? No. Well, I think I think this is a double <laughs> question. Okay. Should it get a remake? No. No. Will it get a remake? I hope not. Probably. I'll put it this way, folks. We used to say that some of these movie musical properties, some of these movies were untouchable. Mm-hmm. You just don't do it. And... Now that Steven Spielberg is remaking West Side Story, this is going to open up the floodgates. <sighs> so, but so this is my problem, though, because I don't think Hollywood knows how to make this movie anymore. When La La Land came out, everyone kept telling me, "Nicole, you're going to love it. It's just like Singing in the Rain." It is not Singing in the Rain. Yeah, they are angry and drunken people spinning around in yellow dresses. <laughs> I'm just saying, get ready for singing in the rain with Ryan Gosling and like. No, <laughs> it's gonna happen. I don't want it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. They don't know how to recreate that happiness. They want to make everything have a point, right. and sometimes it doesn't need to have a point. Sometimes it just needs to make you feel good. Yeah, and that's what I'm waiting for, Hollywood. That's what I want. A movie musical that's going to make me feel the way singing in the rain makes me feel. There you go. There's your challenge. There he is. Folks, this is no doubt the greatest movie musical of all time. I don't think it's even a question. I think you can put others in the top five with it, mm-hmm. and, and you can make an argument of why they're all great, but I don't think you can make an argument of why they're better than Singing in the Rain. That's just mm-hmm. my opinion, but I'm also – a lot of people agree, so I'm just saying. It's out there. Nicole, yeah. thanks for joining me today. I appreciate Happy it. Happy to. Not like you had a choice. Um, well, it was, again – any excuse to watch this movie. I've already seen it three times since January. So. It's true. <laughs> so all, I, all I had to say was, hey, Nicole, I think I want to do Singing in the Rain for this podcast. She's like, okay. We're watching it tonight. <laughs> Let's go. Um, but yeah, no, real pleasure as always. Um, anything you want to plug? Plug? Like, you know, Do you have anything you want to promote? Uh, <laughs> no? Yeah. The Dance Corner is having their 25th anniversary recital. There you go. <laughs> Dance Corner. Killingworth, Connecticut. What's the website? Just, you know, just throw the it dance out there. Dancecorner.com. There it is. There it is. Yeah. Uh, and you've been teaching there for ha- almost half of it, right? 10 years. Crazy. So. Um, yeah. No, it, it's, you're doing great work there. And you can find this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Network at onstageblog.com, where we have a whole slew of podcasts, such as It's a Theater Thing got our recaps of Fosse Verdon. We've got it, the ripple effect where we just did a whole thing on Zoolander and movie court and the whole nine yards. So check it out. Check it out. But Nicole, thanks so much for joining us this week. Happy to. Love it. 
And folks, we will see you next week right here on the Movie Musical Shakedown. Have a good one. And in the end, should someone die? <laughs> My arm is complete again. I bet you want to know why I shot the bastard. You're fucking bad. I hold a PhD in horror.